today. I said, say it like you really mean it today. Amen. 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 Today is the 21st day of fasting. Come on. Woo! There you go. You made it. I said, you made it. And I'm sure if a lot of you pushed through a lot of barriers. Can you turn me down? I'm really loud up here, Fred, if you could turn me down. I'm sure a lot of you pushed through many barriers that you never thought that you were going to make. But great job to you. And we're proud of you. We're proud of the stand that you've made with us. Whatever you did, maybe some of you were just able to fast a day. Good job. We're proud of you for that. God honors that. It's not how long that, oh, you didn't do as good as us. The thought is that we're seeking God desperately with everything that we have in our lives, that God would move upon us and that God would touch us in a very special way. And what an incredible foundation that we have laid for 2011, that we have sought God, that we have asked God to move so miraculously and powerfully that we've given God the first fruit of our year, that we've said, God, from the beginning of this year, we're going to seek you with our whole hearts. We're going to put to death the flesh and the things of the natural and we're going to allow the spiritual things to be supreme in our lives. As I sat down to begin to prepare for this great day, your miracle, the time when God is going to touch your life, there were so many different thoughts and different directions that I could go. But as always, I cry out to God and I say, God, what is the direction you want us to go? And as much as I prayed and as much as I sat down and jotted things down, there was two words that kept jumping back out at me. Two very simple words, but yet, I believe, two life-changing words. And the words that God continued to give me over and over again was these words, only believe. Only believe. Have faith with no doubting. Let's be honest today. Those words, unfortunately, are so often easier spoken than done. Come on, who's going to be honest with me in church today? It's easier to say, well, I'm going to believe. But how many realizes so many times it's a lot easier to not to believe and to find ourselves doubting God's word instead of fully trusting him? It's easy to get worried and it's easy to get in panic mode. Oh, maybe you don't suffer like I do. Come on. I said it's easy to worry about things. It's easy to panic and, oh no, what are we going to do? But look what James 5, verse 6 and 7. I like how it says these words. And many of us jump straight into verse 7, which is a great verse. But you've got to look at the end of verse 6. There's not a period. So that means the thought continues on. It's not a new thought in verse 7. It's a continuance of what has been said in verse 6. So let's start in verse 6 of James chapter 5. It says these words, Therefore, you know what I like to say, when the word's therefore, we need to stop and see what it's there for. Therefore, the word of God says, Humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God. I like to say it this way. Give everything to God. That's what he's writing there. Surrender every part. Fully surrender every aspect of your life to God. You've got to catch this because this is the beginning of where we're going in verse 7. So it begins by saying, humble yourself. 
surrender to God. But you're not surrendering to someone who's weak. You're surrendering to a mighty hand that is able to sustain you. And what happens, that hand is also, as we read on, it says that he may exalt you, that he will lift you up in due time. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Given him every anxiety, every distraction, every burden, every worry. The Bible says as we humble, as we give everything to God, fully surrender our lives, he will exalt us and he will take care of every problem and every circumstance and every situation that could ever come across our lives. Trusting in God, the love he has towards us. That he is able to provide both for our daily needs and also he is able to provide for our special needs. That no matter what, Jesus tells us we can cast our care. Come on, that's what we're doing today when we come and we're crying out to God. We're casting our care. We're giving him those things as we surrender our lives over to him. Only believing that he is able to handle it. Trusting God completely for our miracle. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 8 this morning. This is going to be one of the main passages that we're going to come from this morning. And we're going to begin in verse 40, a story that is very familiar to so many. But just because it's familiar and known, don't shut off because I believe God wants to show us something this morning. Here we see the story of Jarius' daughter. In verse 40 of Luke chapter 8, the Bible says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jarius, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to come to his house. Verse 42, "For For he had a daughter of 12 years of age, his only daughter, and she was dying. But as he went, so in the process of the conversation here, we understand that Jesus must have agreed to come to his house because Jarius comes and says, I have a need. My only daughter of 12 years of age is sick. God, I need a touch. And Jesus must have said, I'm coming to your house because the Bible says these words, as he went. And as he went, the Bible says, the multitude thronged him. I want to think or talk a few moments about the thought of as he went. You see, because if you would continue to read the story, you would read that as Jesus went, he was interrupted. A lady with a flow of blood for 12 years pushes through and touches Jesus. So as Jesus is on the way to Jarius' house, Jarius, I'm coming to your house. As Jesus is on his way with a mission to go to Jarius' house, someone stops Jesus, interrupts him, hinders him from the mission that he was on. As I read those words this week, I thought there are so many people here that can relate with that. Because there's so many times in our lives that we feel that way. What way, Pastor? That we feel that our breakthrough is right there. That we're anticipating it and we're expecting it and we almost sense it and it's right there. That God, you're going to save my kids. That you're going to touch them. God, you're going to give that miracle that I need. And you're going to, this is going to happen and that. And all of a sudden the anticipation is there and it's like Jesus is on the way. But then nothing happens. It's like there's an interruption, that no answer comes. And perhaps even like the situation we read today, instead of a healing, we learn that the situation has got worse. Have you ever felt that way? Felt that it was right there and then all of a sudden it's gone? Have you ever felt that Jesus has been stopped on the way to your house? So as Jesus is stopped, 
He turns around and he says, who touched me? Well, his disciples knew that day who touched him. They said, everyone's touched you. Come on, the Bible says that they were thronging him. There was a press. Everyone was trying to touch Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. It wasn't just a touch. It was a touch of faith and desperation. So amidst all this confusion, as Jesus finally is addressing the lady, as she comes and falls before Jesus, and said, I touched you. And while Jesus is ministering to this lady, the Bible says in Luke 8, verse 49, that Jairus received word. While he was still speaking, that's Jesus, was still speaking to the woman, as he was stopped on the way to Jairus' house, that someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said to him these words, Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher. One translation says, don't bother Jesus anymore. It's over. There's no hope. There's no hope. Jesus, why didn't you heal me? Jesus, why didn't the miracle come? God, there's no hope. But you see, that's not the end of the story. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's not the end of the story. What we may so often think is a time of no hope. We need to look again through the eyes of Jesus. But can you imagine the moment? You see, when I read the Word of God, I don't just read it. I try to be in it. As strange as that may sound, I try to place myself in the circumstances and ask myself, how would I react in certain situations? And I thought to myself, Jarius knew his daughter was sick and dying. But when he was told she was dead... All hope had left him and there was a cry that went out. Listen, death has a cry. If you have ever lost someone who's near and dear to you, you know that cry of total anguish, that cry of total despair. There's a cry that is undeniable, the cry of death. Jarius, amidst everyone, there's a celebration perhaps happening. A lady's been healed. Wow, incredible. But there was a cry of absolute desperation. A cry of death. But Jesus heard that cry. Just like he felt that touch. Jesus heard that cry. And Jesus turned immediately to Jairus. I'm sure with tears streaming down his face, probably on his knees, broken and crumpled under the news that he's just received. And Jesus turns to Jairus and he says these words in verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Don't worry. Don't worry. But what does he say? Only believe. Come on, say that with me. Only believe. Notice, if you will only believe, she will be made well. If you can only believe, I'm putting you in this story. You can be made well. In other words, Jesus looks at Jarius and he says to him, I'm still coming to your house. I haven't forgotten you. Come on, someone needs to hear that in the house today. You're not forgotten. God has not forgotten you. You thought that stopping was that God was not interested in you. But let me tell you, there's a divine time and there's a divine purpose. And we're believing today that this is the time and that God has purpose today to touch your life. Jesus turned to that man and said, don't worry, I'm still coming to your house. Trust me, your miracle is still going to happen. Your home, he said to Jairus, has not missed out today because of this lady. Only believe. Listen to me, it doesn't get much worse than dead. I said it doesn't get much worse than dead. But you see, the answer is still the same. Our answer today 
is still the same. Only believe. Have faith. Trust Him. Keep holding on. The Bible says weeping may endure for the night. But come on, turn to your neighbor and say, morning is coming. Come on, weeping may endure for the night, but morning is coming. And you know what morning brings? The Bible says joy comes in the morning. Only believe. A new day is coming. It's not over, Jarius. It's not over in your life. Satan will tell you it is. It's dead. There's no hope. But Jesus says, hey, death is not even any match for me. Just only believe. Only believe. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 6. But let him or her, let whoever ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the waves of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But he who asks, let him ask in faith with no doubting. That word doubting there has two definitions that it can be defined by. The first one is to judge thoroughly. So the word doubting means to judge thoroughly, means to decide between two or more choices. You've given a choice and and you're you're not doubting, but you're judging between those. and, And to make a distinction, to separate two components or elements or factors. Today, you've got to judge thoroughly today. Whether you're going to trust in God or you're going to trust in man. The second meaning of doubting, and I love this one so much, is it connotes a conflict. A conflict within one's self in the sense of hesitating, having misgivings, doubting, being divided in your decision making, wavering between hope and fear. The Bible says we've got to have faith. We can't waver between the two. I'm sure Jarius that day is weighing up the situation. And he's looking, my daughter is dead. He's judging it thoroughly. But then he's also having to make a decision of what he was going to believe. There was an inner conflict that was going on inside of him because in the natural death, it was screaming out, she's dead. But then he also has heard the words of Jesus that says, only believe. Two voices. Which one would he believe? Mark, 20, Mark 9 verse 23 says, if we can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. I want to talk about believing faith for a moment this morning. Having faith to believe for your miracle when it seems like all hope is lost. When it seems like Jesus has been stopped and has not come to your home. But yet still to have unwavering, believing, never doubting, but fully trusting faith. That verse that we've just read that's up on the screen, Mark 9, 23, is the story of a man who brings his son to Jesus. Matthew says his son was um, suffering from epilepsy. The other Gospels talk about him being convulsed by a spirit that would throw him in a fire or into water to try to burn him, to try and drown him, to try and take his life. The man brings him to the disciples. They pray for him. They do everything that they knew to do. And no results happen. He brings him to Jesus. He begins to flip out in front of Jesus. And Jesus says to the Father these words, If you can believe, all things are possible. As you read on in the story, the Father cries out, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. God will help your unbelief today. Come on, God will help you today. You don't have to be perfect to receive your miracle because if you're perfect, none of us will be touched. But we can have a hope, we can have a faith, we can have a belief, we can have a trust in one who is perfect. And Jesus heals this young boy, sets him wonderfully free. Later that day, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, okay, Jesus, let's have a chat. What's the deal? I mean, come on, we're doing everything that you've showed us to do. We're doing everything that you do, but yet nothing happened. How come we couldn't do that? How come it worked for you, but it didn't work for us? Well, this is what Jesus said to them, taken from the account in Matthew chapter 
17 and now verse 20, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. That word unbelief has been translated in many versions and as the word of your lack of faith. I almost don't like that definition for this thought. When there's a lack of something in my mind, it's that it's not present. I think a better translation of unbelief there is because of your little faith. Your little faith. It's not that faith is not there, but your faith is small. So Jesus says to them, because you've got small faith. God, why couldn't we do it? Jesus said, because you've got small faith. But then as you read on, it's almost like Jesus contradicts himself. Because then Jesus says, For assuredly I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. How many received a little card when you came in today with only believe? Taped on that card is a mustard seed. Look how small that seed is. But as you read of in the Word of God, it talks about it being the smallest seed, but yet it grows into a literal tree that birds can roost in its branches from something so small. So Jesus says, you've got little faith. But then he says, if you'll have little faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, In the case, he was talking about the epilepsy, the sickness. That was a mountain of adversity. He said, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. A lot of us love that, and we say, shout amen. But you know what? Jesus is not finished. And he goes on to say in verse 21, however... If you want to know why we've been fasting and we've been seeking God, just read verse 21 of Matthew chapter 17. Because Jesus says, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There's a power, there's a breakthrough for the miraculous supernatural that is tapped in to the source, I believe, of when we seek God through prayer and fasting. So Jesus says you got little faith, but then you need little faith, and then you need to seek me with everything. As I looked at that, and we're talking about believing faith, my conclusion that I've come to is this. Believing faith is not so much about how much I have, because the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, that to each one is giving a measure of faith. So it's not so much of what I have, but listen to me, but it's where I place that faith. It's where I put that faith. It's what that faith is conformed to. It's what that faith is given over to. Remember I said that each one is given a measure of faith? That's Romans 12 verse 3. You know what Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 is? What is it? I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Come on, that's surrendering, humbling yourself. Remember under the mighty hand of God, giving of yourself. Verse 2, not being conformed to this world, but rather having a change of the way you're thinking, a transformation that takes place in your life. What has happened as I surrender my life to God? As I change the way I think, I believe a measure of faith, saving, believing, Delivering faith is released inside of me. So what is your faith? What is the object of your faith today? Because Jesus said, if you have just little faith, you can move mountains. So what is the object of your faith? What are you placing your faith in today? Are you placing it in me, a pastor? Are you placing it in a church? Are you basing it on works? Well, I've done this and I've done that. Now this is going to happen. Listen to me. Is faith about what you can do? Or is faith about what he has already done? Listen to that. Is faith about what you can do? Or is true faith about what he has already done 
and accomplished. It's a good thought right there. Because if it's about what I can do, then that's the focus of my faith. But when I start saying it's not in me, but it's in what he's done and what he's already accomplished. I may, not be a, I may be just new to this and I may not have a lot. Don't beat yourself up and say, well, the reason I wasn't healed was because I didn't have faith. Jesus says I can take that little faith, but if you'll just place what you have in me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Even perhaps during this fast, you have thought or said, hey God, because I'm sacrificing and I'm doing all this kind of stuff, then now you just have to do this. Try to manipulate God. Then I'll have the favor of God and he'll give me whatever I ask. My breakthroughs, and because I fuck, no, 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 no. Look at this statement that I wrote down. Fasting doesn't merit anything more to you than what you already have available. It doesn't give you any more than what you already have available. Come up here with me, Bishop, quickly, can you, please? Grab a hold of this bottle. Come up here with me. This is what fasting, seeking God. It's not that I'm trying to achieve anything or all of a sudden I'm getting something. It's already available for me. But you see what fasting and seeking God and giving God and humbling your life and fully surrendering unto God, this is what happens. What does it say? The first thing that happens, it prepares us. Watch this. This is God right here. And watch, that's his blessings. And you know what God does with these blessings? He pours them out. But what happens if I'm not prepared? The blessing's gone. But what happens, you see, as I begin to seek God and I surrender my life, I may not have great faith, but I have little faith. Remember when Peter walked on the water? Jesus said to him, oh, you of little faith. But can I tell you something? Just the little faith he had enabled him to walk on water. It was when he took his eyes off the source. You see, you've got to get the... The revelation of this, it's not the great faith. Oh, you've got great faith. Jesus said, whatever faith you have, only believe. Only believe. You see, so when God begins to pour out his blessings, what happens? I'm preparing myself. I'm ready. And what happens? I position myself. Keep pouring, God. I position myself. Notice that? I'm positioned now to be able to receive The blessings of God. Receive the blessings of God. You see, that's what faith, true faith in God does. God's blessings are there. It's not all of a sudden that I'm, oh, I find it. It's that I am now prepared. And I am now in a place or a position to receive that. In John chapter 5, there's a story of a man who's been sick 38 years. 38 years is a long time. How do I know that? Because that's how old I am. That's a long time. I mean, all you young people out there, you thinking, man, that is really old. It sure is. I was talking to Kay this week. They want, Kay and Cody want me to dedicate their baby. And I said, Kay, you're just making me feel so old. I used to teach you at high school and now I'm dedicating your baby. What is up with this? Getting old, got some gray hairs. But you know what I say, it can turn any color at once as long as it doesn't turn loose. Come on, amen. Touch touch it, Jesus. Touch it, Jesus. Stretch your hands to the pastor and say, touch it, Jesus. Hallelujah. But in John chapter 5, we read this story. Follow on with me. But here's what I want you to get from this story today. Is it how much faith? Or where is faith's focus? How much faith? Or is it the focus of the faith? In verse 2 it says, Now there was in Jerusalem at the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida. You know what Bethsaida means? A place of outpouring. Come on, that we're positioning ourselves. There was a pool of Bethsaida having five porches. And in these porches lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For you see, an angel went down at certain times 
into the pool and would stir the water. Then whoever stepped first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he or she had. Verse 5, now there was a certain man who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, Jesus said to him incredible words. Do you want to be made well? Do you want your healing today? Do you want your miracle? After 38 years of waiting, his miracle stands right before him and asks him, do you want to be made well? Come on, surely the answer is yes. Come on, I mean, help us out here. 38 years, you better believe the answer is yes. But what was his answer? Verse 7, and the sick man answered him, and he said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. You see, when the water is stirred up, there's no one to help me. But when I'm limping over there or crawling over there or trying to get over there, when I'm coming, another person jumps in the pool just before me. That would have probably been a good place to install one of those tickets, you know. Grab one of those tickets. Who's got number five? You're the next one at the next moving. Amen. This guy was being outdone every time. Every time. The Bible doesn't tell us how much the water was moved and how often, but say it was moved four times a year. That's a lot of times over 38 years that he's seen something. I believe, well, let's keep going. When the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. I want you to see something right now. Bishop, come up here with me again. I want you to stand in front of me. You're going to be God again today. You were the devil last time you helped me, weren't you? Stand and face me. I'm sick. 38 years. I've been crying out to God. Waiting. Focused. On a moving water. Waiting for a messenger from God. An angel to come and touch that water. But you see, what has happened is, my focus now has become all wrong. Because notice the answer. His miracle, Jesus stood in front of him and asked him a question. Do you want to be made whole? What was his answer? You've got to see this. Well, you see, what's he just done? His focus of his faith. You see, he didn't see his miracle. But instead he says, but you see, every time the water, see that water over, every time that water over there is me, I, I can't make it. You see what can so often happen in our lives? It's not how great faith we have. Because after 38 years, that guy's probably even given up that he's ever going to make it to the pool. He's probably got really zero faith. But what has happened is his focus is wrong. He's stepping around Jesus and he's pointing to something else. He's waiting for a messenger from who? God. But he fails to realize that God is standing before him today. Can I tell you today, God is standing before you today. Whatever faith you have, it may be small, just as a mustard seed, but that's okay. Don't look at the water any longer. Don't look to the doctor any longer. Don't look to the bottle of pills any longer. Don't look at the therapist or the counselor or all these things, Dr. Phil, any longer. Jesus is standing right in front of you. It's not a case of if I can get to the water. Remember the lady with the issue of blood? If I can just get to Jesus. If I can just get to Jesus. Don't look around Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can sit down. (laughs) Don't look around. You see, after 38 years, he could have at least said yes. But during that time, I believe four things had happened in his life. The first was he had 
lost his source of faith. His faith source is all wrong. He's looking to the messenger. He's looking to the water, the stirring, instead of the God that can heal him. But notice what else begins to happen. He's got comfortable. The Bible says that Jesus came up and saw that he had been there for a long time. I wonder how Jesus knew he'd been there for a long time. Because he probably had his recliner. He probably had his refrigerator, his TV. He had his magazines. He had a spare chair for other people to come and sit. Come on, he had made that place his home. He got comfortable with where he at. You know, we can get comfortable where we're at and begin to accept those things. What else do we see has happened in his life? He's made friends. There's a lot of people. He's been hanging out for years. He's a popular guy. People probably just come to the pool to visit him. He's made friends. But the worst thing that I believe has happened in his life is this. He's accepted his fate. You see, if we don't watch, the same thing will happen to us. Why? Because of the wrong source. Because of the wrong source, it goes downhill from then. Because my miracle doesn't come. So I'm sitting back and saying, I guess this is as good as it's going to get. Come on, instead of placing your faith in Him, instead of just saying, only believe, we tell ourselves, I guess this is the best it's going to be. Wow, I wish I had more time to talk about that dangerous thought today. How many destiny decisions from people have been made with that thought in mind? I guess this is as good as it's going to get mentality. And as a result, what do we do? We settle for life as it is instead of realizing that God has the best for you. Come on, if you are settling and saying, well, I guess I'm going to be sick. I guess I'm going to be broke. I guess I'm never going to be married. I guess I'm never... Going to have that emotional healing. I guess my heart is always going to be broken. Can I tell you today, get your eyes off the pool and start placing your eyes on Jesus. Come on, if you are settling for life as it is, if you are saying, God, I've settled for this, then what you're saying is, God, your way is not the best way. And you have given up before your miracle has come. Don't get comfortable. Say with me, only believe. Verse 8, Jesus says to him, stand up Jesus quickly. The man's looking over here, over here. And what does Jesus say to him? Hey! It doesn't say that, but I'm there in the story. This is my message. I'm just telling you what Jesus did. Jesus had to redirect his faith. Because Jesus says, hey buddy, look at me. That's what Jesus is saying. Oh, if I can do... Jesus says, hey! Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And as he focuses his faith on Jesus, the Bible says, immediately. What 38 years of the wrong focus could not accomplish, the right focus did immediately in his life. Come on, you've got to see that. It's not how great my faith is, it's where it's placed. It's believing in God, having faith to believe him. Having faith to trust Him. All we have to do is place our faith. The little faith, but the faith that moves mountains. Your miracle may not be immediate like that man's was there. I pray it is because I know God can and will do things immediately. But whether it's immediate or not... We still have to base our lives upon this thought. Am I going to live by feelings or am I going to live by faith? What's my focus? Where's my faith? Well, Pastor P, they prayed for me Sunday morning. I don't feel healed. In fact, Pastor P, I just feel exactly the same way. Well, you know what? Remember the story we began with that day? Jarius felt the same way as perhaps you did. Because Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe, I'm coming to your house. But you know what? His daughter was still dead. His daughter was still dead. I don't feel I'm healed. I don't feel anything has happened. It hadn't happened for Jarius yet. I'm sure when he first heard the news from Jesus, there was a peace that flooded his heart. But as he began to walk home and he began to think about it, come on, how many understands the battlefield of the mind? 
that you begin to think things through. How many times have you said to someone, oh, let's go and do this, and later you sit back and you think about it, and you're like, oh, whatever was I thinking? How am I going to do that? You just did it on the spur of the moment. So all of a sudden, he's got a peace, but as he's walking, come on, he's just human like every one of us. As he's walking, the messenger who came from his house is probably still beside him. Saying, yeah, it was, it was awful. I mean, it was about two hours ago. And, uh, and you know, the, your wife came out. And she's, I mean, the whole time he's probably battling. There's a conflict. We talked about that. Have faith, no doubting. The inner conflict. And when he arrives home, come on, God. I mean, you could at least heal his daughter when he gets home. But when he gets home, there's a bunch of mourners. There's a bunch of people weeping and wailing and hollering and crying out, oh, she's dead. I'm sure his wife ran out too, falling at his feet, crying out. As he hears news again, she's dead. She's dead. Listen to me this morning. They hadn't heard what he had heard. People may look at you and say, hey, that's foolishness. Your situation is still lost But what have you heard? Only believe. What have you heard? Don't be afraid. She's going to be made well. Only believe. That's a powerful thought today. All they saw was death. But he saw a new perspective that moment. They didn't know what he knew. But yet he still had a choice. Would it be the fact Or the truth. The fact was she was dead. The truth was Jesus said only believe. The fact said it was over. The truth said, hey, she'll be made well. Look what it says as we finish the story in 8 verse 51 through 56. It says this, when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James and John and the father and the mother of the girl. Now, when, now all wept and mourned for her, but he said to them, don't weep, she's not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. They ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. But he put them outside and he took her by the hand and he called unto her and said, little girl, arise. And the Bible says, and her spirit returned to her. She arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. What just took place? Jesus changed the environment. He removed all doubt. The people who could not see the facts, but all they could see was death. He put them out and into the room he took only faith. Come on, say with me one more time, only believe. Then faith, the source of our faith, spoke and he said, little girl, little girl. Come on, when Jesus spoke, death had to release her. Come on, Jesus has spoken already your healing, your deliverance. It's already been done as he cried out upon a cross. It is finished. That means every circumstance and situation of life has no match, has no power over the prevailing power of God. Come on, he's already spoken it. All we've got to do is get doubt out of the way and place our focus in on him and listen to the words that he will say. Only believe today. Pastor, I don't think I can do that. Yes, you can. Just become like a child. It's no wonder Jesus said become like a child. They don't waver. They just trust. But you see, in the church today, we haven't become childlike. We've become childish. It's a big difference. Now, it's not fair. Why don't I get... That's childish. Well, they get this and I didn't get nothing. That's childish. God says have childlike faith. That has only one option. And that is a positive outcome. Only believe. As I close this morning, I want to read this story. I don't really remember what grade I was in. But we did an experiment in elementary school that left a lasting impression on me. Even into my adulthood. The teacher told us to save our milk cartons from lunch for this special event. We were to bring them back to the class with us. And as we rinsed them out and cut off the funny tops, she opened a big container of black potting soil. 
And we scooped some into each of our cartons. She then handed each one of us a big butter bean seed and told us how we were to plant that seed in the soil by first making a hole with our finger and then dropping the seed into it. After I pressed the the dirt back around the hole, I watered the seed. I taped my name on the box and I set it on the sunny window beside everyone else's. Every day when class started, I ran to the window with the others to see what was happening with my seed. We couldn't see anything until the third day when a tiny bit of green sprout began to show in some of the boxes. But by day six, most of the boxes had green sprouts and even some had leaves showing, but not mine. For six days, I eagerly ran to the window to look at my box. There was nothing but dirt. I watered it like everyone else. I did the same thing as everyone else, but no sprout was showing. And I began to wonder if my seed was even still there. On the seventh day, I couldn't take it any longer. I arrived to class before anyone else, and I used my finger to dig around in the soil to see if my seed was still in the box. I pulled it out, and sure enough, it had begun to sprout. About that time, my teacher walked into the classroom, and when she saw that my dirty little fingers, and I was standing there holding my seed, she looked at me and explained that I should have really left it alone and just waited. Since I had pulled my seed out of the soil too soon, I had destroyed my harvest. She was right. All the other seeds grew strong and tall. and Before long, were filled with multiple pods of butter beans, far more than ever was sown. But my seed was dead. Don't dig up your seed. I said, don't dig up your seed. Well, Jesus hasn't made it to my house. Don't dig up your seed. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Believe God. Keep trusting Him. Come on, keep your seed in the ground. Keep your seed in the ground. It's not about the pool. It's not about the doctor, the therapist, the psychologist, and the psychiatrist, and whatever. It's about Jesus. That's our focus. Only believe. As Aaron and the band comes back, we're going to be praying for you in a few moments. But before I call you up here to be prayed for, I want to ask every one of you as you leave this church this morning, I want you to go by one of the tables. There's one at the back and there's one by the prayer wall. And I want every one of you to get a pot of soil and a little bean. And I want you to plant that bean in the middle of your soil. You see, because the soil is God. Come on, the dirt is Jesus. That's our source. The seed that we're planting in, that's our faith. But then as we begin to water it through prayer, through the Bible, through praise and worship, through church life, what begins to happen? Our seed will begin to grow. Every day I want you to look at that and I want it to be a reminder to you as written on the front of the cup, it says, keep your seed in the ground. I want that to be a reminder to you every day. Keep believing. Don't give up hope. If you don't get the touch that you're believing for God to give you today, come on, he's still able to touch your body. But there's other needs and there's other miracles that we're going to have in our lives and other things that are going to come up. But you know what? Keep your seed in the ground. Only believe God. Don't trust in anything else, but just trust in him. I said, just trust in him. I want all my leaders to come and stand at the front here with me this morning. I've asked all my leaders today to be very specific in their prayer. What I mean by that is I I want them, when you come forward in a few moments and we're going to invite you forward, I want them to be specific with you. 
I want you to tell them the needs that you have. If they're unspoken and it's personal, then that's fine. You don't have to divulge. But you know what? We want to say if there's a leg that needs healing, we want to speak to that leg. We want to speak to that. We may not have the greatest faith in the world, but you know what? We're placing it in Jesus. We know who our source is. God has blessed us with some wonderful people here in this church. Incredible people that knows what it is. Dad, mom, stand up with us too. That knows what it is to be touched by God. And I'm going to pray for them. What I'm going to do today is I'm just going to go down the line quickly and I'm going to anoint their hands. And after I've anointed their hands, they're going to turn around and we're going to invite every one of you to the front. And I want you to hear today the words, only believe. I want you to cling hold of those, grab a hold of those today, only believe. Because Jesus said, if you can only believe, you're going to be made well. All things are possible to those who believe. I'm going to anoint them with oil and they're going to lay hands on you. They're going to place this upon you in the name of Jesus right now. God, as I anoint these, God, Lord, as yielded servants to you, God, we're vessels, God, that wants to be used for you. God, we're not perfect. We don't have it all together. But God, we've placed you as our source. We've placed you as a source in our lives and we cry out to you today. We cry out to you today to use us, God. Use us, God, as we're fasted and pray today, God. We pray that you would take these hands, that you would take this faith that we have, that it would be faith that would touch lives. It would be faith that would make a difference in a life today. It would be faith that God would impact someone today, God. It's not because of us, but it's because of you, God. It's because of you, God. Our faith is not in a pool. God, our faith is in you. God, and we're believing today, God, that you're able to do it. Come on, would you all stand to your feet right now? Come on, if you've got a need right now, don't wait. Don't wait to be forced. Come on, make your way to the front right now. Find someone to pray with you. Come on, find someone to pray with you. Find someone to believe with you today. Come on, today's your day. Today's your day of breakthrough. Come on, whatever you need, emotionally, physically, financially, in every way, whatever you may need today, whatever you may need today in God. Come on, today's your miracle. Today's your day. Come on, only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Yeah.
God. Come on, only believe God in this place. Come on, only believe God in this place. Come on, only believe God. Come on, dare to believe God. Dare to believe God. Come on right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, something that's really been in my attention a lot over the last few months. And this is something that Roxanne talked about, pride. That we're going to have to push through. But I believe today that God wants to heal a lot of people of scars from the past. It's a lot of people who are carrying great wounds from the past. Some of those wounds involve being molested. And involve being assaulted and abused in a horrific way. I'm believing today that God's going to heal wounds in people's lives. I'm not just asking for those. So, you know, it makes it hard, I know, for you to step forward in faith. But a lot of people are carrying a lot of baggage from the past. I believe God wants to heal some broken hearts in here. Come on, I said, I believe that God wants to touch some people emotionally in here. I believe God wants to touch some people financially in here. I don't believe we're finished yet. I believe there's still people who are holding back that didn't respond today. Come on, I believe that God wants to touch some people here with new strength in their lives. I believe God wants to break addictions in this place today. I believe that God wants to do healings in every area and every way as Aaron and them begin to minister. Come on, right now inside of you, the the words are screaming out, well, what will people think? What will people think? Here's the thought. If you want to live with that thing for the rest of your life because you're worried about what a person thought, then you live bound for the rest of your life. But can I tell you today, there's freedom in this house today. There's liberty in this house today. If you will just dare to step out of that place, if you will dare just to trust God, come on, whatever you need today, it's not just physical healings. Come on, it's emotional. Come on, it's healings from the scars of the past, the hurt, the pain, the disappointments. Come on, the finances. Come on, whatever it is. Come on, just begin to respond today. Come on, just begin to respond in this place. Come on, God's doing it right now. Come on, step out in faith right now. Come on, today's your miracle. Today's your miracle. Come on, today's your breakthrough. Come on, today, 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 today's your miracle. Come on, today, come on, it takes faith to step out. Come on, step out today. Come on, everything inside of you is saying, I can't do it. But come on, do it today. Come on, step out today. Come on, today's your miracle. Come on, don't let this day pass you by. Come on, today's your miracle. Yes, God. Yes. in this house today. Freedom from addiction. Come on, freedom in this house.
blessing. We just want you, God. Open up the sky. Open up the sky and fall down like wine. We don't want anything but you. As they're still praying today, we want to be sensitive to the needs that are still here. But also we want to remember today a miracle that we haven't talked about. And the greatest miracle that any of us could ever see is the saving of a soul. Because you know what? I can walk through life, God forbid, but I can walk through life with cancer. And as long as my life is right with God, I'm going to make it to heaven. But you know what? I can also choose to live life perfectly healthy and not have my life placing Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of my life. And you know what? I can live healthy on this earth, but I will die lost in eternity. I want to pray today for those of you that would say, I want to give my life to Christ today. If there's any here that would say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender everything over to God. I want you to do something for me. I don't want you just to put up your hand. I want you to come and meet me at the front today. Come on, is there anyone here today that would say, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ? Come on, why not step out from your seat today? Come on, it takes a lot of faith. Come on, here you go. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Fantastic, 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 fantastic. Come on, who else is going to say yes to Jesus today? Come on, who else is going to respond today? And to make it right with God. Maybe you've given your life to Christ before, but you don't know today whether you're really saved because you've maybe slipped and you've stumbled and you've fallen, but today you just want to make your election sure. Come on, if that's you, why don't you come today? I want to pray for you today. Is there anyone else today? Come on, why don't you come today quickly? Quickly, one more to appeal. Would you come with us? Is there anyone else? Well, hey, it's okay today. It's worth it all just for this one. Come on, it's worth it all just for this one. It's worth it all. If I was sent to this earth just to touch this one life, my life's mission has been worth it all. Come on, we're going to pray today and we're going to believe that God. Are you coming, Edward? Come on, Ed. Come on, there you go. Awesome. Come on, let's give it up for Edward. Awesome. Is there anyone else today that would like to rededicate their life to God? Come on, just one more appeal today. Crying out to you front to back, left to right. Maybe you're nervous today. Why not just touch your neighbor and say, would you come with me? Come on, would you come with me to Jesus? Is there anyone? Come on, would you come with me? Take me to Jesus so I don't have to come alone. Is there anyone today? Is there anyone? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.